We concluded our, our church-wide fast on Wednesday, which was really good news for all my friends in the management of Chick-fil-A and First Watch. Uh, they, uh, they were beginning to worry about me. They hadn't seen me since last year, as a matter of fact. And so um, on Thursday, I showed up at both establishments, not at the same time, one in the morning and one at lunchtime, and they were so relieved. They canceled the APB that they had put out on me. And so all is in order. All the, the, it's all gotten back to homeostasis now, that Chris goes to First Watch several times a week and Chick-fil-A almost as often. So they, they're happy. And uh, as I listened to people share on Wednesday night, it was such a good, rich time of people testifying and sharing about what God was saying to them in this season of fasting. And I was especially blessed to hear so many people encourage us that we should be continuing in our seeking of the Lord even while we're ending the fast, right? We're to, we're to continue even while we're ending. Now, it made me realize... Uh, it made me realize how we are often more excited to finish something than we are to continue something, right? We're, we, we enjoyed the finishing, the continuing, ah, not so much. At least that's the case with me and my dad. Uh, my mom likes to tease us uh, that uh, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. You ever heard that? Uh, notice my snarkiness. Um, <laughs> If I've heard that once, I've heard it a lot. <clears throat> but come on now, the destination's important too, right? Am I right? Thank you, guys. <clears throat> There's just something about crossing the finish line, right? About closing an old chapter. About concluding a project so that you can get on to the next project. Uh, I still remember when I was a senior in college and the euphoric feeling that I got after taking my last final exam of my last semester in college. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, Jessica's over there. Yeah, several people, you know, there is, I don't know that there's anything better. Now, I was so, I was exhilarated at that. I remember walking out and it was beautiful and sunshiny and this was Mobile, so it was really hot and muggy, but it felt beautiful to me at the moment. And uh, now it may have helped me that just in a few weeks after that moment, I would be marrying the girl of my dreams. Uh, but still, the finishing felt good. It felt good. And as followers of Jesus, there will be a moment in time when our race will be finished and our course will be completed. But before that moment occurs, we're called to continue in all the other moments. We are called to continue in seeking his face. We are called to continue in following him. We are called to continue in relating to him, to continue serving him, to continue praying to him, to continue learning from him, to continue growing in him. The book of Hebrews is a very helpful tool for those 
that want to continue, that want to keep on keeping on. It was written to a group of Jewish Christians who had endured some hard times, but were now facing new and even more serious and severe persecution. And the writer of Hebrews, which we don't really know who wrote it, some think it was Paul, that was the the tradition. Many King James Bibles still indicate that he wrote it, but there's really no verifiable proof that he did. Uh, There's just speculation. It could have been Silas. It could have been uh, Priscilla of Aquila and Priscilla. It could have been uh, Clement. It could have been any number of people, different speculations. So we'll just call him the writer or her, the writer of Hebrews. That writer is challenging those that are reading this book to continue. Throughout the book, the author has really two main goals. First, is to elevate Jesus as the one who is superior overall. That is a major theme throughout the book. First chapter, especially all the way through uh, 10, and then even into 11, 12, and 13. He, he, is, he is making sure that people understand that Jesus is superior to all. He's central. He's better than what they'd had. He's superior. And I like right here in Hebrews chapter 1, verse, the first four verses, how it, how it puts it. Long ago, verse 1, Hebrews 1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He... The Son, Jesus, he is the radiance of the glory of God. I love that. The radiance of the glory of God. And the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. The first priority of this book is to let us know that Jesus, the exact imprint and radiance of the glory of God, is now the one who speaks for God. And he is superior to all other things. He is better than everything and everyone who came before and all that would come after. Not just the angels, which is indicated here in the first chapter of Hebrews, but also to everything else that had been given to God's people, including the law, the Torah, including Moses, the deliverer, including the priest who stood between God and the people, including the old system of sacrifices, which were required that they might not be just taken out because of their sin. And he's superior to the old covenant, having ushered in a new covenant. Jesus is just better. He's just better. That's the first goal of this book. But the second main goal is one that obviously I want to focus on today. 
The second main goal of the book of Hebrews is to challenge us in light of this truth that Jesus is superior, that he is better, for us to continue, to carry on, to endure, to remain faithful, to stand firm, to hold fast to our confession, even in the face of persecution and suffering. You especially hear this appeal as you get to chapter 10. Turn over there with me, if you will. Chapter 10, and we'll get to it in just a few moments, verse 35. His appeal to them, these readers that are reading this, they're encouraged to recall the early days when they were enlightened and received Christ. And they themselves had endured struggles and reproach and also had stood with others that were also experiencing the same thing. But it seems that the author is writing this for a particular reason. Because he or she is not quite sure that those that had been there done that were willing now to do it again. And he's challenging them to do so. He's challenging them to refocus their attention and to not shrink back and to not lose their confidence, but to push it all out in the center of the table again. Hebrews 10, 35 says, Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance. You have need of endurance. Say that word, endurance. Endurance. Say it again. You have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and he's quoting scripture from the Old Testament now, yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith and he, if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. No, we are those who have faith and who preserve their souls. This feels, uh, this feels kind of like a coach's halftime speech to me. It, it feels like our team is getting a little beat up out there and we're in the fight of our lives and, and we're beginning to lose some of our nerve. And so the coach steps up and reminds us who we are and what our training has done and what our mission is and what we're supposed to be giving ourselves to out in the field. If you know me, you know that I love the movie Rudy. My kids know this especially. Back in the 90s, we used to have times where one of these special premium channels would give you a month's free viewing, right? Like Showtime or HBO, whatever. Just you didn't, I didn't pay for it, but it just, it showed up on my TV for a month's time. Of course, they're trying to get you to subscribe, right? And so one of these particular times, Rudy was one of the featured films. And every time my kids walked into the room, I was watching Rudy. I don't know. I must have seen a portion of it or all of it 20 or 30 times in that month's time. It was a favorite of mine. I love this movie because I love a good God story. I love when you overcome the odds 
And at the end, no matter what you're facing and how little you are and how slow you are, you're an overcomer. I love Rudy. It's the gospel. No, maybe not that. But it's close for me. One of my favorite scenes is where Rudy is in the locker room. He's just there as a janitor, as a field uh, house maintenance guy. But he, he pulls out a stool and he jumps up on that stool having memorized the great Newt Rockney's speech. It's famous in Notre Dame lore. And he gives it. Let's watch. <laughs> We're gonna go inside, we're gonna go outside, inside and outside. We're gonna get them on the run, boys. And once we get them on the run, we're gonna keep them on the run. And then we're gonna go, 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 go. And we're not gonna stop until we get across that goal line. This is the team they say is, is good. Well, I think we're better than them. They can't lick us. What do you say, man? I need that soundtrack when I preach. <laughs> that kind of speech is what I feel when I read these scriptures in Hebrews. I feel someone standing on a, on a stool challenging us to do better, to not give up, to endure. I feel this writer saying to us, don't throw away your confidence, boys. I mean, church, get in there and fight. There's a great reward attached to it. We're not the kind of team that shrinks back. No, we're, we're the ones who trust in God. Go out there and prove that you can endure. Leave it all on the field. Go inside and go outside. Cross the goal line. Go be who God made you to be. Play all four quarters. Don't give up now. Endure, do the will of God to the very end, and you'll receive that which is promised. When I read this, that's what I hear with the sound <laughs> effects behind it. Now I realize the writer of Hebrews is not as familiar with football as I am, or as Rudy is. But I would propose that he's very familiar with track and field, because he continues his Locker room speech over in Hebrews 12. Look with me. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What a vivid picture for us. Not a football field but certainly a sporting event. So I don't think it's heresy for me to show clips of Rudy in church. <laughs> Our following Jesus is like we're running a race, like we're on the field, we're, we're on the track, 
And we're surrounded by this huge grandstand filled with heroes of the faith. He calls them a great cloud of witnesses. They're cheering us on in our leg of the race. Hebrews 11 lists many of them, Abel and Enoch, Noah and Abraham, Moses and Rahab and others. They're all commended for their faith and credited for how they endured sufferings and overcame obstacles and ran the race of faith which was before them. And now they're cheering us on. They're watching us from the stands. They're cheering us on. And with them are all of those who had been running with us for a while But now they've finished their race and they've been added to the stands. People that we love, family, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, people like Brother John and Lucille Walker and her husband Paul and Wayne Williams and Wyden Ann Cox and David Stiles and the boat shows. And Sam Torres, John Kalen, and Colleen Connors, and Scott Mosley, and Ben Pierce, and Lynn Morris, and Dixie Foreman, and Jeremiah Duke, and Aaron Price Williams, and Jonathan Trapp, and Granny Duke, and Marion Sweeney, and Addie Wilkerson, and Marvin and Barbara Knopfsiger. The list goes on. They walked with us at one point in this community and now they're in the stands with all the other saints that have gone before. And what are they doing? They're cheering us on. Don't give up, boys. Go inside and go outside, inside and outside. Go, 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 go. You get the idea. There's a lot of people cheering us on as we run our race. This is no time to give up, to throw in the towel, to just shrink back, to sit around and complain because things aren't the way we prefer. This is the time to get up and run the race that is before us. How do we do that? Well, he gives us admonition to do at least three things. First, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us or clings so closely to us, like like static cling. Lay it aside. And this just makes sense. If you're running, you don't need any extra weight. It makes no sense to bundle up and carry extra things if you're running a race. That's why runners wear the most minimal of clothing. They don't They don't put a big backpack on and carry all the things they might need along the way. They strip down to almost nothing and run full steam ahead. And it's why as we run our race, we should do the same. Discard, lay it aside, get rid of all those weights, all the things that pull us down and keep us back. Lay aside, put them aside. All our past sins and all of our bad habits and all of our accomplished ideals, even our successes, lay them aside. The good, the bad, and the ugly. 
Leave it all behind. And run with endurance. That's the second thing. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. John Stephen Akwari was a marathon runner from Tanzania. And he competed in the 1968 Olympic Games in Mexico City. At the 19th kilometer during the 42-kilometer race, there was a, a jockeying for position with many of the runners. And Akwari was knocked to the ground in the midst of all that and severely injured himself, dislocating his knee and scraping everything up and bruising his shoulder because of hitting the pavement. But he got back up and started running. He kept on running, not near as fast as he had been. He hobbled into that huge stadium more than an hour behind all the other runners. He kept on running, his leg bloodied and bandaged with only a few hundred spectators left in that huge stadium to see him come in. They were already giving the medals away. And then he entered the stadium and he kept on running. And when they asked him after he had finished the race why he kept on running, he said this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. It doesn't matter what place you come in. It matters if you finish. In fact, I would dare say finishing is winning. And that's why Paul would say to Timothy in the twilight moments of his own life, having run his race and done it so well, he would say this to Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. One day, the same thing can be said of us. Just not yet. Because we have a race to run. We need to be doing those things so that they can be said of us when our race is finished. Until that day, we must continue in our race, laying aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles and run with endurance, stripped down and determined to finish no matter what place you're in. And as you race, remember to do this one third, this final third thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep looking at him, the founder and the perfecter of your faith. We endure not by some modern definition of success, but by, com or no, by comparing ourselves to others. We don't, we don't win that way. And we don't even compare ourselves with those who went before us or even look into the stands where they're cheering us on now. The only place our eyes should be is on Jesus. Jesus, because he's the one who has our heart and has our mind. So there's my challenge to us today as we conclude our fast four days ago. 
Keep on keeping on. While you may be ending some things, this is not a time to end your race. This is a time to continue to keep on, to throw off everything that hinders you and the sin that so easily entangles you and clings to you. Shred it. Get rid of it. Strip it off and run with endurance the race that is marked out for you with your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Donna's gonna come and we're gonna pray for us this morning. Pray for any of you that the Lord is speaking to you. Make sure that the Lord can do in you what he has come to do. I want to read a small portion of scripture from the message in Lamentations 3. I'm sticking with God. He's all I've got. God proves good to the man who patiently, passionately waits, to the woman who diligently seeks. It is a good thing to persevere in hope of the Lord. It's a good thing to stick it out in hard times. When life is heavy, and hard to take off by yourself, enter the silence. Bow in prayer. Don't ask questions. Wait for hope to appear. Don't run from trouble. Take it full face. The worst is never the worst. Why? Because the master will never walk out and fail to return. If he works severely, he also works tenderly. His stockpiles of loyal love are immense. Wow. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you're a good father, that you have set the race before us, and you sent your son to be the way. You sent your spirit to give us the fruit of the spirit, which includes perseverance, the thing we need to endure. Father, you have provided everything that is needed. And then you've said, if we trust you for it and we stick with you to the end, that you'll give us a crown for the effort it took when really you've done it That's from right. the beginning to the end. That's right. We take this moment and commit again to your right to rule over us, to take away our options, our rights, by making us your children by calling us friends and inviting us into what you're doing. Thank you for giving us hearts that can be willing and wills that can be bent to your perfect will. Have your way in our hearts today, Father. Yes, Lord. Keep us keeping on. Cause us to rise up and say to one another, strengthen the arms that hang down. Yes. 
steady the feeble knees. Because our God is doing a new thing. And we want to be with you in it. Yes, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the challenge set before us by this very wise writer of this book to elevate in our minds and in our lives Jesus, who is superior over all. He's better than anything else, even good things that we have had before. Jesus is the ultimate. But also thank you, Lord, for the writer challenging us to continue, to not shrink back, to not lose heart, to not throw in the towel. But actually, it's time to redouble the effort. It's time to get back in the game. It's time to shred all the sin that so easily clings to us, that entangles us, ensnares us. And it's time to put aside every weight that holds us down, even good things. It's time to strip down and run the race with endurance that is set before us. Fixing our eyes not on all the acclaim we might get, all the cheering that might be going on, all the others that might be doing it or not doing it, but putting our eyes on Jesus, the one who started our faith and the one who will finish our faith. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith in you. Lord, I pray for us as a community, a spiritual family, that you will help us run the race that is set before us. Not sit in a chair, not sit back and wait for others to do it, not sit back and criticize when they do do it, but get in the race and run with our eyes fixed on you. I pray for us, Lord, young, old, Man, woman, married, single, wherever we are, in the workplace, in the home, uh, in the schoolyard, in the, in the neighborhoods, in the parks, wherever we are, may it be known of us that we're running towards you with our eyes fixed on Jesus. And help us, O oh Lord, in these days to see the great reward that you promise. And in the days to come, to see the very great reward that is ours. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.